dreaming with God. And to dream with God, you've got to be relaxed. So, hey, and it is, I'm, I am Samoan, so, you know, so I'm quite laid back. And I, it'll be a different style, and that's okay. It's a bit different. Um, so get comfy. Uh, everyone back home oh, oh, on satellite, get comfy. You're probably in a nice sofa. Don't get, if, if you fall asleep, that's okay. God will tell you my message in your dream. That's all right. Uh, so yeah, I've been thinking lately about this message um, because yeah, there's lots of changes going on and sometimes God asks us to do something different to what is actually happening. You know, he, he sets the table before us in the presence of our enemies. Who does that? When your enemies are in front of you, when someone is literally, who, who doesn't like you, is, is after you. And he goes, take a seat. It's time to eat. And I think in this time, I, I feel like as a people and as a church, it's time to dream again. And it's, it's time to awaken the dreamer within us. It's kind of an oxymoron. But, it, but it's time to come alive within our dreams. Uh, and when I mean dreaming, I mean when you go to sleep, you know, you, you dream. Or um, when you daydream as well. So dreaming with God during the day is, you know, we've all got goals and we've all got dreams. You know, I, I, meet, I work in financial kind of services and I, I meet with people every day who, are, who, who dream about owning their, their first home. And it's about inviting God into those dreams, into that imagination, and going, God, what do you think? How do you think we can achieve this? I believe in you, and I believe we can do this together. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about dreaming with God. And dreaming is is kind of ignored in the church. And... I know in the business world, it's not. And in the large corporations that, that I've worked for, it's all about vision. It's all about dreaming, and we're, we're heading in that direction. Um, but, but I think in general, it's ignored because it's, it's in that unseen realm. It's, it's kind of a bit weird. We read about it in the Bible these, these stories, and we don't really understand it. And what we, we don't understand, uh, we tend to ignore. And so we haven't valued dreaming. Um, yeah, from, from my background, I know, like, the log- there's this logical side of me, you know, in the financial world. I know that five plus two equals, Dre? Seven, seven, second time around, seven, yep. But I also know God. I know that with Jesus, five loaves and two fishes equals a thousand percent growth. With with leftovers, you know, I'm living in these two realms, and it's important that we don't ignore this invisible part of God. Um, it's also important not to ignore because it's one way of of how God speaks to us. You know, God doesn't necessarily 
just speak to us in English, plain English. English isn't his first language. It might be Samoan. I don't know. Could be. Afrikaans. Eh? Um, but he speaks to us in so many ways. You know, in, in nature. You know, I know a lot of people who feel God's presence when they're in nature. Um, I was talking to Danny earlier on. He was on his jet ski um, in the lake in, in Wanaka, and he's like, man, it just all made sense. You know? I just feel so close to God. You know, he speaks to us um, in art um, and in worship. You know, I'll have my worship times and I'll be praising God, like, my God, yeah, I'm trying to focus on you. And then he'll just start speaking to me about this solution that I've been praying for. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm trying to focus on you. And he's like, Willie, I'm speaking to you. He's like, and so now when I have my time with the Lord, I'll, I'll have a pad and paper there because I know he will speak when I'm, there's something crazy that happens when you worship, you focus on him and we get all these side benefits. You know, it's not what we are going for, but when we're focused on him, we get them, we get them for free. The psalmist says his voice is like a rushing river and if you've heard a river, it never stops. But the real question is, are we listening? And there's countless stories in the Bible about dreams and dreamers. Um, you know, Mary and Joseph, uh, when they're in trouble, they're running away from Herod. And the angels appear to them in a dream. They go, hey, you guys need to go to Egypt. Because Herod's going to kill all the kids. Because he's after yours. Um, story of Gideon. Oh, crazy story. I don't know if you've read it. I, th- I felt like I only just read it the other day. Um, but he is called by God to get an army to go and fight the Midianites. And God goes, hey, you've got too many people. And then he chooses out 300. And the Midianites, there's so many of them, you can't even count the camels. They are like locusts. That's how it's described. And God goes, Gideon. He has a dream. And he goes, Gideon, if you're scared, I'd be scared. 300 against thousands. Uh, go down to the enemy's camp. See what, they're, see what they're saying. So the next day they wake up. They go down, him and his mate. And they, they get there. They reach the camp and they're listening and one of the guys is, what a coincidence, one of the guys has had a dream in the enemy's camp. And he goes, hey, I had this crazy dream last night. Um, this massive roll of barley is rolling down the hill and it hits the Midianite camp and it wastes everyone. And then his mate interprets the dream. How weird is that? His mate in the enemy's camp interprets the dream. And he goes, that's none other than Gideon. He's going to destroy us. Gideon's there going, I'd be there going, what are the chances? I had a dream last night. They had a dream last night. Both from God to the Christian and the non-Christian. But And then he's like, hey, we've got this. We've won it. They attack and they win. 
We've also got Solomon, the most wisest man in the world up until Jesus. Um, he gets wisdom in a dream. In the vision of the night, the Lord appears to him and he goes, what, what do you want? And he goes, oh, I'm just a young man and you've called me to lead this nation. Help me to discern right from wrong. And then he goes on to be the writer of the Psalms, Ecclesiastes. I've got the Psalms, uh, Proverbs. In dreams, he speaks to Paul as well. Um, Paul has been called to speak the message to the Gentiles. And he goes out on his, I think it's his second journey, and he's heading towards Asia. He's probably prayed about it. He's probably fasted about it. He's probably sought help or advice from his, his, his elders, the, his brothers, the apostles. And he's heading there. Holy Spirit turns up says, no. You're not going there. I'd, I'd, I'd feel quite disappointed. You know, I've been praying about this all week. And I'm, he's called me. I'm the one. I'm the guy that's going to tell the rest of the world about Jesus. And he goes there and God himself turns up and says, no. So what does he do? Probably he does what I would do. I sleep on it. Um, and he has a dream. And a man from Macedonia turns up and he goes, come over here. And he gets direction in his dream. I think dreaming is, is being like our Heavenly Father. You know, Lou Ingle from the ministry, The Call, he says that God had a dream and he wrapped your body around it. Before he created us, he dreamt of us. You know, everything we see today was in a dream first. You know, the very chairs you're sitting on, someone thought about it, someone designed it, they thought about what materials it was going to be made of, and then they went about putting that dream into action. They put that faith, the actions, the work with the faith, created that chair. You know, the artist Michelangelo says about the angel statue, he said he saw it in his mind, and then he carved until he set it free. We, we, we are like our Heavenly Father when we dream. Put your hand up if you don't dream at night. Yeah? So most of us dream at night? Yeah, I, I would suggest that, that, yeah, we all dream. This is uh, Job 33, 14 to 18. For, God's, for God does speak, now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people, as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings, to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. So God, yet sometimes we get so busy, we get so busy in our lives, we've got things going on, and God's trying to speak to us. And, he, and he's like, I'll just wait till he goes to sleep. And I'll speak to him. I'll save him from perishing. And we don't know it. He said, no one perceives it, verse 14. It's, he, he becomes like the surgeon operating us on us under anesthesia. And we don't know it until we wake up and we're like, oh, I've actually got a, 
actually, I feel a lot better about that. For some reason, God's been speaking to us, but we don't know it. Dreams and visions for our lives, they, they can give us purpose and, they, and self-control. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Without vision, the people perish. Without vision, people cast off restraint. You know, it's about now, you know, we'll finish January. January's gone already. Um, people's New Year's resolutions start to fall off. But you, if you have a dream, if you have a vision, and, it's, and you've invited God in, it's what's going to keep you going. You know, Chris Vallotton says, it's vision that gives pain a purpose. If you have a vision for what you're, I suppose, I'm just using this as a metaphor, um, your body wants to you know, look like, you know, you want big muscles, it means you're going to keep going to the gym. You're going to keep doing, like, it hurts. Essentially, you are tearing your muscles so they can heal again stronger. You, you're going to restrain yourself from eating certain foods. That's what dreams and visions does. So how do we navigate this, this life and, and, and dreaming with God? You know, we're going to go to the story of Joseph. It's one of my favorite stories. After, after Jesus, of course. Um, so here's Joseph. If you've got your Bible um, or your phone app, open to Genesis 37. We're going to read a bit of scripture today. today always good in church. Because Joseph's life's, life really shows us um, how we can navigate um, our lives with, as we dream with God. Okay, verse, verse 1. So do, do we all know who Jake, uh, Joseph is? He is the grandson, great-grandson of Abraham. Um, his father is Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons, and they are the 12 tribes of Israel. And Joseph's one of them. Okay, so Joseph, uh, oh no, Jacob lived in the land where his father had, had stayed, the land of Canaan. And this is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and sons of Zilpah, I think that's how you say it, his father's wives. And he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Joseph loved Oh, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in old age and he made an ornate robe for him. You can see that one in the picture. That's his Technicolor dream coat. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So Joseph is in a tricky position already, right? Then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen, I had a dream. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? 
and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told this to his father as well, as, as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous, but his father kept the matter in mind. There's a difference at the end there. There's two responses to Joseph's dream. So what does the story tell us? Humility is the key um, to navigating this life in dreams. Joseph, he was young, he was 17. Um, His brothers already hated him. Um, and then he has this dream, and he's like, he tells them, and he has another dream, and then he says, listen, I'm telling you this dream again. This is, this is going to happen. And if we know the story, if most of you know the story of Joseph already, from here, it kind of goes like this, that bottom one. You've probably seen this, this picture around on Facebook. Um, a lot of us have dreams early, and we're like, we're like that top one. Your, your plan. Well, that's how we want it to go. That's how I want it to go. I'm like, oh, sweet. God has given me a word. It's going to be easy. It's, going to be, it's from the Lord. Why wouldn't it be? And then it's, kind of, it's more like, oh, it is that bottom one. Um. And the other thing we learn about this is we need to be careful who we tell our dreams to. Because sometimes the Lord will tell you a dream and it's just for you. It's just between you and him because you're friends. And sometimes he'll just tell you stuff because that's what friends do. And it causes this relationship to grow. And it's like, oh God, what do you think? I've had this dream. Shall I tell my brothers? Because I think there could have been another there could have been another pathway that Joseph could have taken to get to where he was in the end. But I'm just glad that they didn't delete those from here because we get to learn from it. And the other thing we can learn from that passage is that dreaming is to be a normal part of the Christian family. We see that Jacob, he had dreams, and none of them went to a dream interpretation school. They were taught about it when they were young, growing up. Jacob probably told him the stories of when he had a dream and there was ladders going, or a stairway to heaven, angels coming up and down, and he probably told them, Hey, this is, this is how God speaks to me. So don't be freaked out if this happens to you. Because I know um, growing up, my, my mum, she was a dreamer. And God would give her dreams, um, warning dreams about certain decisions in life. And she would t- tell us about them. And so I grew up kind of expecting them, I suppose, with, without thinking. And so when that did happen... I was like, oh, this is normal. This is how my mum hears from God. So I should probably hear from God this way too. 
And it goes back to, I don't know if you've heard about the principle of first mention. Um, It's when you hear a concept growing up, that's how you view the world. You view the world through that lens. Um, So let's say you are talking to your kids about sexuality, about relationships um, at a young age. When they meet their mates at school and their mates are talking about it, they've already got a lens of, of healthy relationships to view that topic through. That, that's how God made it. You know, he, he made us to be a family, to talk about all the things, all the issues, as young kids to prepare you for life. Okay, we're going to fast forward. Like the amazing race, we're going to hit a fast forward. Um, summer, summarize. Um, so his brothers are jealous, um, and they sell Joseph. See, see that first dip? That's under those rocks, that's where Joseph is. Um, They sell him to slave traders, and he ends up in Egypt. And the slave traders sell him to a guy called Potiphar. I think that's how you say it. Um, And Potiphar happens to be uh, one of Pharaoh's officials. He's the captain of the guard. Um, So things are bad, you know. He's in this, he's under those rocks. He has no rights. He can't even speak. Um, There's a lot of negative stuff happening for him. It's a bad place. Um, However, there's always, you know, he's got God. And with God, you, you can win with any hand. And it ends up being a benefit to him because he, he, he learns about Egyptian culture. He learns about the royal palace. He learns about how processes are done. And it's this big free education that he never knew he was going to get about how the Egyptian culture and about how royalty works. Um, yeah, yeah. If we go to Genesis 39, 1 verse 6. 1 to 6. So now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's, Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of the household and all he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had to Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food. Um, And I'm going to fast forward again from here. Um, So Potiphar's wife notices Joseph. He's a good-looking guy. He's extremely intelligent. He's running running the show, and, and she makes advances on him and tries to sleep with him. Um, and he is essentially framed. So you can see, see that first flag. That, that's where Joseph is. Um, he's running the show, and then he gets framed. 
and he, he doesn't get to walk across that ladder. He, he has to go underneath. That's him. And he's put, him, he's put in prison. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. There's something about Joseph. um, It didn't matter where he was, whether he was in Potiphar's house or whether he was in a prison. There was something in him, the Spirit of God, God's favor, that his environment around him became what was inside Joseph. Okay, and then, and then uh, two guys come in. Two guys uh, who worked for Pharaoh, the king. They, it just says that Pharaoh was angry. He was angry with them. Imagine that. Imagine if you were Pharaoh today and you got angry with someone. You're in prison. That's what happened. And they, they are the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So a guy who, who makes wine and a guy who, who's the baker. Um, to summarize that, um, Joseph, they have dreams while they're in prison. Um, and Joseph interprets them. And as he, one, of them, one of them's a, a favorable interpretation and one of them's not. One guy is restored back to working with Pharaoh and the other guy is killed. And it just happens to be Pharaoh's birthday, which I don't, I don't know if that has a point, but it's random. Um, and Joseph speaks to them, and he's like, hey, when you get to Pharaoh, tell them about me. Tell them that I'm here. I've done nothing wrong. I've done, I'm, I'm an innocent man, and I'm stuck here. And then... Cupbearer gets out, gets out, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So sometimes when we've, we've got this dream up the top, so now Joseph's in that water, he's underneath that boat. Not only is he not remembered, I, I don't know what this means, but he says, did not remember Joseph, he forgot him. Kind of make the same, mean the same thing to me, but it just means he was extremely lonely. Like sometimes when we're going through our, our vision, our dream with God, we will feel by ourselves, lonely, we've been forgotten. And in verse, straight after that, chapter 41, one, two full years have passed. Two years is a long time to me. You know, I can get a lot done in two years. But he's there by himself, two years. Um, and then I think we're going to play this clip. Do I just press the button? I'm told you merely need to hear a dream. and You can explain it. Not me, Your Excellency. The explanation comes from God. None of my wise men are magicians. None of my gods could help me. What makes you think your god is any different? Tell me your dream, Pharaoh. Every night it's the same. 
I'm standing by the Nile. Seven healthy cows graze peacefully on the banks. But then, seven horrible, sickly cows come from the same river. The most wretched I have ever seen in Egypt. Suddenly they begin to devour the healthy cattle. And yet the cows remain as sickly as before. And then I wake up. Is there more? Yes. Another dream always follows. Seven ears of grain, full and golden, grow from a single stalk. Suddenly seven ears, hardened and scorched, spring up on the same stalk. And swallow the seven good ears. All that remains are shriveled grains unfit to eat. Nothing else. Well? Pharaoh's dreams are one. The healthy cows and ears of grain are seven years of abundance. But the sickly cows and the withered grain mean seven years of famine will follow and destroy the land. Egypt may not survive. Can this be stopped? What can be done? You must find a man you can trust. During the years of plenty, have him collect one-fifth of the grain from every field and store it under guard. Then during the years of famine, give it back to the people. Potiphar, you trust this man? With my life, Excellency. Through this man, I have seen the future of Egypt. And through his deeds, we shall prosper. I am giving him power over all Egypt. Only Pharaoh will be greater. You shall call him Zafnat Panea. The God speaks and he lives. that story it's, it's a story of redemption you know it's it's Jesus' story essentially um, but it's it's extremely ironic that it's Pharaoh's dream that gets Joseph out of jail you know and he goes he goes on and Joseph's dream is eventually fulfilled um Jacob and all the sons move to Egypt to buy the grain and to eat so, so they won't die in a famine. Um, and he, as they arrive, he tells them, or later on, he tells them that, hey, you don't need to fear. I've become a father to Pharaoh. And it's through um, Joseph's serving of Pharaoh's dream that he not only saves Pharaoh's household, Jacob's household, but the known world 
from dying in a famine. And I, you know, I think it's important to live our lives open to the possibility that God might speak to us in a dream. That we would need to understand the language of God, all his languages, because when you think you get your master one, he moves on to another one. He's like, oh, there's more of me to learn and, and know about. Because in the story of Pharaoh and Joseph, if Pharaoh didn't dream, Joseph would have died in prison. And if Joseph couldn't interpret Pharaoh's dream, Egypt and the known world would have died in a famine. You can see that their destinies are, are intertwined. And if you look at the greater metaphor, it's a metaphor of Joseph being the church and Pharaoh being the world. And it, you know, it doesn't matter if you're your boss is a, is a non-believer. If your boss is like Potiphar, your neighbor, like cupbearer, or the baker, or even if you are serving in that governmental role, serving the prime minister, um, like Joseph, um, our ability to dream and understand dreams and how God speaks in this, in this way could save you, your neighbor, from the path of death of destruction. So how do we begin to dream? We ask. We ask our Heavenly Father because he's, he's a good Father and he gives us good gifts. Um, and, and there's something about being like a child, you know, going back to having that child-like faith. Um, and dreaming like a kid. Um, in Matthew 18, 1 verse 2, Jesus is having this discussion with his disciples. And it's, I don't, I don't know, when I was hanging out with my mates, and we're like, bro, who's the toughest out of us? Let's have an arm wrestle. Let's just, let's just see who's the fastest runner. And it's almost okay when you're with Jesus to be great. You know, God, if we were to have a fight, disciples, or Jesus, who, if we have, who do you think will win? And, and Jesus is like, actually, none of you. See this child? If you're like this child, they're like the greatest in the, in the kingdom. And something like being like a kid, we begin to wonder about possibilities. And it's that awe, it's that wonder, it's that curiosity that leads us into hope hope for a better life, a hope for a better future. And hope is one of the three things that will remain. You know, there's faith, hope, and love. And it's that hope that all things are possible with God. Um, How else do we begin to dream? I think we steward the dreams that come our way. This is my grass, everyone. It, it looks a bit wider because I, I was just trying to make it fit the, the, the slide. It's actually a lot thinner than that. Um, everyone give a hand to Ruben. He's got some good lines going on there. Yep, he mowed that. That was his work. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we're from, we've moved from Wellington 
these hills there. We don't look after grass. This is my third attempt at a lawn. You know, I've killed, I've killed a lot of grass. I feel sorry for those, that grass that came before this grass. Um, but uh, I've put a lot of time into this grass. I actually pay a guy now. You know, I pay a specialist. He's got all the goods. He knows what he's doing. But I water it. You know, that, that's, that's my job. I water it. You know, God makes it grow. You know, we water and we take care. And just on the other side of that fence, this is what the grass looks like. We, we, we don't look after this grass. There. That's on the other side of the fence. My point is, I've got good grass, no. Um, grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. It's, it's, it's greener where you water. That's my point. And what we invest in grows. You know, when, when I, I probably started writing my dreams down about 15 years ago, um, and I would give them to the Lord, um, whether they were dreams in the night or goals for a business or targets I wanted to hit at work or goals for my family, um, dreams, uh, you know, you know, I wanted my family relationships or to be better and to be stronger. Dreams for uh, me as a as a husband, I wrote those down. T- to to be a good husband, to be a good father, I wrote those down and I talked to the Lord. How do you help me? Like, can you help me? I I need help, and I want yours. And I invested in those dreams. And there's probably some of you out there that are like, what if I don't have a dream, you know? Well, what are you talking about? And my my answer is to that is sometimes you need to serve someone else's dream before God will will give you your own one. Um, If we look at the story of Moses, uh, before he was the leader of Israel, the Lord gave him. Israel as his flock, Um, he had to go and serve in the desert his father-in-law's flock. 40 years. That's a long time. I'm I'm just a little bit younger than that, but it's my whole life. Um, Yeah, so that's that's the message today. But I'm just going to finish on, on reading this. And I'm going to hand it over to Dre. What if Martin Luther King Jr. didn't have a dream of living in a free world? What if Steve Jobs didn't dream and create the iPhone? Parents might be happier. I don't know. What if Walt Disney didn't dream about an amusement park for his grandkids to play in and create movies that encouraged us to wonder? What if the Beatles didn't write music? I think the world would be a completely different place. I believe that it's time for us to be open to dream again with God, but also be aware that Pharaoh may be dreaming at the same time. And that for us to have our godly dreams realized, it may only be possible through serving of Pharaoh's dream. It's time to dream again. It's time to dream of who we are. And if we forget who we are or are afraid like Gideon, all we need to do is go down to the enemy's camp and listen to their dreams. And we may hear things like, impossible is nothing, or just do it, through slogans of Adidas and Nike. Or hear the movie series, dreamt up by Marvel, 
that have been created over the last 10 years or more, where heroes are awakening all over the planet to help save the world from darkness that threatens it. Those heroes are none other than Gideon, all the sons and daughters of the King of Kings, awakening to realize who their power comes from and to protect and serve the earth. It's time to dream. I'm just going to pray. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that with you, all things are possible. I just pray this morning that we would all catch a new glimpse of who you are. We catch a glimpse of your, of your glory, of your redemptive nature. Lord, and I just pray for each and every one of us this morning, you know, and, and at the satellite services as well, Lord, that you would just really place dreams in our heart, dreams of a future through the ups and downs of life, through the changes, the multiple changes, Lord, that you would give us dreams of how to navigate life. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.